Welcome once again. My name is Joe, and it is so good to have you. We are in a new series we started last week called All Things New. Uh, but before we jump into the series, just a couple reminders. In the seat back pocket in front of you, there's a, a Connect card. Uh, it might say welcome, it might say prayer, but that's the Connect card. Um, and so grab that, especially if this is, this is your first time. And if you could just fill out some info on there, and then at the end of the service, you could drop it in the buckets on the way out that the ushers are holding, or you could take it to our info booth in the, in the lobby, and we would just love to greet you this week. I'd love to connect with you and just get to know you a little bit and uh, welcome you to Mosaic. Uh, but once again, we're just so glad that you're here. One quick announcement. Um, this coming Saturday, uh, Milford Miami Ministries is hosting an event. Um, we got me? There we go. A drive-through event here in the parking lot um, where if you want dinner that night, you can drive through, 10 bucks, uh, soup and salad. It's all prepackaged. It's, it's all, you know, been done right. And, um, and so all the proceeds to that go to the food pantry at Milford Miami Ministries. And so it's just a super easy drive-through event. They're hosting it um, and they're running it and um, they're just using our building. Each year they do this soup for a soul um, and, and they, they do it in a different church parking lot. And this year, it just happens to have, have to be drive-through because of COVID and all. Uh, but yeah, so this Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m., if you want dinner, uh, just drive through the parking lot and they'll serve you uh, right here. And so we love partnering with them and just helping to meet the needs of people in our community. And um, so... And there's that. And then also, don't forget, if you'd like to worship God with your giving today, you can do so when you leave today. The ushers will have buckets, or there's all the online options available. And I just want to thank you for your generosity and your giving to support the kingdom causes here at Mosaic and around the world. Um, so let's get into our message today. Before we begin, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, it's a light in front of us. God, it guides us. It uh, just shows us our next step. And so no matter where we're coming from today, God, no matter the journey that we've had in life, God, no matter what the situations that we're facing and the circumstances of our life, God, we just bring all that uh, to you today and ask that you lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we talked about how we need a new heart, a pure heart, right? We talked about David and how he cried out to God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. And this week, the big, um, the big topic is that we need a new mind. You know, Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so this week, we're looking at our minds. Now, you might be tempted to say, if I tell you you need a new mind, you might, you know, be saying, well, Joe, what do you think I am, crazy? And that is not the case at all. The scripture is very clear that God wants to renew our mind. And when you think about the mind and how complex it is, it's really hard to deny the power of God and the mind's importance. You see, some people set up a false argument sometimes between the mind and God. When, in, in fact, God created your mind, he gave you a brain, he gave you the ability to think and to process and to ask questions and to be analytical. God gave us this incredible instrument between our ears to use for his glory and so when you think about the mind it's it's super hard to deny its importance listen to these facts that the more uh, neurologists and scientists study the brain these things that they've learned about the brain that God has given us 
Your brain isn't fully formed until age 25. Now, parents with kids that are growing up and making kind of goofy decisions, you need to take this one in. They say that brain development begins from the back of the brain and works its way to the front. Therefore, your frontal lobes, which control, listen, planning and reasoning, are the last to strengthen and, struct and structure connections. And so if you've got that 18-year-old and you're thinking, man, when is this kid going to grow up? It may just mean that all his planning and reasoning receptors just aren't quite there yet and just have patience. I know that when I look back at some of the things I thought and did between 18 and 22, it's like, yeah, I can totally see how everything wasn't quite there yet, right? If you're 18 to 22 right now, I still love you, and, and it's okay. How about this? Your brain's storage capacity is virtually unlimited. A lot of times we think, man, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, when in reality, your brain can hold more than you can possibly imagine. How about this? Info tr in your brain travels at 268 miles an hour. It's mind-blowing. How about this? Your brain can hold 2.5 million gigabytes of info. If you're a computer person, man, back in the day, I thought I was a big deal when I had a 500 gigabyte hard drive, but my brain can hold 2.5 million gigabytes, which equals to 300 years of you watching TV shows continuously nonstop. That much information. Check out this one. Memories begin to form four months after conception. Your brain is an amazing gift of God. Your mind. But listen to what scripture says in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Man, there's a ton that we can take out of that verse, right? But to me, it just underlines the importance that, man, I live in a world that's cultures and customs and behavior is different than God's, and God wants me to, to transform my mind to look more like his and less like the world. And if I don't go through this process of letting God be Lord of my mind, then I won't know what is good. I won't know what is pleasing. I won't know what is perfect in God's sight. What else does research tell us? It tells us that the average human attention span is shorter than that of a goldfish. <laughs> Not only that, it's 12 minutes shorter now than it was 10 years ago. We also know that our memories are prioritized by emotion. Think about this. Emotion can alter our brain chemistry. Church, if all this is true, then it's, it's just underlining the fact that I need Jesus in my mind. I need him shaping my mind. I need him Lord of my thoughts. I need to be taking captive everything that comes in and bringing it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We need 
God in the process and the processes of our mind. If Jesus says to love the Lord, your God, with all of your mind, then what does that look like? And that's what we're going to get into today. To love God with all my mind, I must be intentional about, number one, in your notes. If you're taking notes, you can fill in the blanks. They're on the app. If you want to download the Mosaic app, they're there too. But I need to be intentional. If I want to be intentional, I need to be intentional about my, number one, beliefs. Why? Because they are the foundation for my thoughts. You don't think much of anything without the foundation of your beliefs. I love what Maxwell says. He says, a belief is not just an idea that you possess. It's an idea that possesses you. It's not just an idea that you possess. It's an idea that possesses you. And that's why beliefs are so incredibly important. People these days throw around beliefs like they throw around hot rolls down at Lambert's in Sykeston, where my parents are from. Have you ever seen that place, the home of the throwed rolls? You literally go in and you sit down and they throw bread across the restaurant, right? And these days, that's kind of how beliefs are thrown around. Well, I believe this and I believe that. And it's kind of like whatever you believe, you know, that's just good for you. Whatever floats your boat. When in reality, what you believe creates the foundation for your life and the foundation for your thoughts. Hebrews 11.4 says, And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. What does that tell me? That if I don't believe right, I can't please God. And so if I want God in first place in my life, then I've got to put my faith and my trust and my belief first and foremost in him. In Romans 3.22, it says that we are, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Aren't you thankful for that? The gospel of Jesus Christ, that no matter where you come from, how smart you are, how smart you think you might be, no matter what your pedigree is like, no matter where you're from, belief can be entryway for you into a relationship with Jesus Christ it all starts there with belief and yet in our culture and our society we're so flippant with belief listen if you want to get somewhere you got to know where you're starting if you get out a map it's it's this thing that they used to have on paper and you fold it out and, um, you know, you used to stick a big Rand McNally one in the back of your seat. So you rip that thing out. You flop it out on the dashboard of your car. And the first thing you need to know before you figure out where you're going to go is where you're at. And this is a great picture of belief. You see, these days you flip out your phone. You don't even have to know where you're at. You just hit that one little button and then, boom, the blue dot goes to right where you're at. And you don't even have to think about it. But you have to start faith. You have to start your faith journey knowing where you're at and what you believe. Because if you don't, you could end up in the completely wrongest space. If I'm trying to get to Dayton and I'm in Cincinnati, but I think that I'm in Columbus and I start heading in the wrong direction thinking I'm going towards Dayton, I'm not going to get to Dayton, am I? Your relationship with Jesus is the same way. If you start in the wrong place with your identity, 
with your family beliefs, if you start in the wrong place with right and wrong, if you start in the wrong place with what the Bible is, you're not going to end up in the right place. And so when it comes to these things, it's so important to determine where I am at. What do I believe and why do I believe it? It's really hard to, to, to get where you need to go without knowing where you're at. Now, in God's infinite grace, even if you're off, man, he can be that computer inside of your GPS that brings you to the right spot. Think about this. There was a, there was a journalist by the name of Lee Strobel. Maybe you've heard of him, but he was, he was a journalist for a major uh, press agency in the United States. And he set out to disprove the Bible, to disprove Jesus, to disprove Christianity. With everything he knew about journalism, he went on a journey to disprove it. Guess what happened? He got converted. He put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ because as hard as he tried to disprove who God was and to disprove that the Bible was true, at every corner, God in his infinite grace brought him to the place where he realized that this was the real deal. Sometimes the journey to your journey with Christ is a journey. I've sometimes heard it said that like, if right here where I'm at is zero, which is like the beginning of a relationship with Jesus, and then you grow from there. You know, maybe you're not, maybe you're at like minus 10. And over, over the years and over your life, you're just taking steps towards Jesus one by one. And maybe you're not even at that place where you've begun to believe in Jesus yet. But little things, maybe the, the, the witness of a friend or the example of a coworker or, or something you, you learned, and you're just taking little steps. And like maybe over here you didn't even believe there was a God. And then maybe you take a step closer and you're like, maybe, maybe there is a God. And maybe you take another step closer and you're like, man, Maybe I should just learn about the Bible because maybe there's something to it. And oh, maybe it takes years. Maybe it takes months. Maybe it takes days and you're diving in and, and you're just inching your way towards Jesus to that point where it's like, oh my goodness, Jesus, you're real. And I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at on that journey, maybe you came to check it out today and you don't even believe there is a God. And I just want to say this is a safe place for you to figure out what you believe. Because God's faithful, and he's going to take you from that place of unbelief, and he's going to inch you through the grace of God towards that place where you cross over, just like that song said, from death to life into relationship with a loving father who loves you so much. It happened differently for different people in the Bible. For Paul, he was on the road to Damascus, and, and God knocked him off his horse, and Jesus appeared to him and a bright light, and called him out. We won't all have a Damascus Road experiences like that, but maybe some of you will or have. There was a man who didn't understand scriptures, and, and the, the apostle Philip saw him and, and went up to him and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And right there on the spot, um, Philip was able to explain the word of God to this Ethiopian then they got out of the, the, the wagon and they got baptized right there on the side of the road, all because Philip was faithful to explain the word of God to somebody who didn't, he didn't even know. Maybe that's more like your journey. 
Or maybe like Paul when he was in Athens and he was explaining God to people who didn't even believe there was one and they had a, this, this monument to the unknown God and they didn't even know who they were worshiping and, and Paul got up to these people that were just philosophers and, 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 and they were secular and, and Paul explained who God was to them. And maybe that's you, you are far from God and you, didn't, you weren't even sure he exists, but now I'm standing up and telling you all about him today and you're, maybe you're having your, your Athens moment. Or maybe you're like the man who watched Jesus die. He watched him die on the cross and he watched him bleed and, and cry out, you know, it is finished. And he, he saw him commit his spirit into God's hands. And then that, that man that said, truly, this was the son of God, but he didn't even believe until he saw with his own eyes, Jesus died. And maybe you were here on Easter or on some day. And when, when, when you heard about how Jesus died for you, you're like, yeah, truly, this is the son of God. However you come to Jesus, belief that he's real, that he has a plan for your life, and that he really did what he said he did, and he really can do what he says he can do in your life, is the starting point. You see, in our culture, belief is on display. It's shifting all the time. Beliefs are all over the place. Just read one argument on Facebook, and you'll, say that every, and you'll see that everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a belief. But listen, all that really matters in life is what you believe about God. This is all that matters. It's the foundation. If you don't get this one right, then everything else is for naught. Do whatever it takes. God can handle your biggest questions, your deepest doubts. He can go with you on the journey, but don't stop until you figure out and get to that starting place of knowing Jesus. You got to figure out what you believe. Number two. And when it comes to loving God with all of our mind, we've got to know what we believe. We've got to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's the only way. And then number two, we've got to get control of our thoughts. We've got to get control of our thoughts. You see, our thoughts act a lot like planes, trains, and automobiles. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But listen to this quote from Albert Einstein. He said, thinking is hard work. That's why so few do it. And we're not just talking about the thoughts that roll around in your heads, but the, the, the intentional, critical thinking in your life about why are you here and what are you doing and how are you going to do it? The intentionality and the directional thinking of your life. Too many people in life show up at a certain spot in life and they're like, I don't know how I got here. And, I, and to that, a lot of times I'm like, well, you were with you the whole time. Like, you've been with you since the beginning, right? But so much of the time, we just don't stop to think. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Your direction, being intentional with your life, determines your destination. There's a verse in Colossians, a passage that, that explains this very well. 
Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it says, since you've been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights, that's your direction, set your sights on the realities of heaven, the destination. You're going to set your sights, the direction, on the realities of heaven, your destination, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think, this is your direction, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory, your destination. Right? And so you see in this verse, your thoughts are the key to your destination. If you do not control your thoughts and bring them under the lordship of Jesus Christ, there's a good chance that you will not intentionally end up where you want to go. Some people have related our thoughts to planes. You've got all these thoughts going around in your head. Sometimes you're even ashamed of the things that you think. But there's all these thoughts flying around in your head, but you are the air traffic controller getting to choose which thoughts are going to land on your runway. You got to choose your planes wisely. You see thoughts like temptation, you know, these crazy thoughts that come in your head, and you're like, where did that come from? Well, the Bible says it came from your heart. And you get to choose if you're going to let it stick, if you're going to let it land on the runway and pull up to one of the uh, terminals and debark into your life. You see, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, but when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. What is God saying to you? You don't have to let the plane land. You don't have to let that take root in your life. You can say no, and you can run away. You can take captive those thoughts. You see, thoughts are sometimes like trains in your life. Trains gain momentum, and man, when, when they gain momentum, they're really hard to stop. It takes a while to throw in those brakes. It's not like you can just turn it off. Ephesians 4, 23 through 24 said, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I love this. It says, put it on. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Put it on. That tells me that, man, there's a job that the Spirit does, and there's a job that I do, that I get to play a role, that I get to put on my new nature and let the Spirit renew my thoughts. Why? Because, man, once those starts, thoughts start going, there's momentum there. You remember earlier when I was talking about what all the neurologists had discovered, that emotions can affect your brain chemistry? By the time you get there, your thoughts and your emotions have been running on a train for so long that it's really hard to stop that train. And once your brain chemistry starts to get a little bit off, guess what you need? You need the Holy Spirit. You need a godly counselor. You need God's word as a tool in your life. Because stopping that train that is out of control, running in the wrong direction, is going to need a lot of intentionality and the Holy Spirit to move and work in your life and to transform and renew your thoughts. 
You might need a counselor. You might need even need some medical help. And that's okay. Because you're submitting your life to God's lordship. You're submitting your life to the Holy Spirit. You're inviting wise counselors into your life to speak into your life to help that your train of thought to go in another direction. To help your train of thought, just like that verse in Colossians said, to set your sights on the reality of heaven instead of the realities of your past. To set your sights on the reality of what God can do instead of the reality of what's been done to you. Amen? Feelings can be a runaway train. They're not right, they're not wrong, they just are. And so you gotta be ahead of the game. You gotta be ahead of the game and be intentional about your thought life so that it doesn't start running in the wrong direction. I love this saying, it says, I can control my thoughts. My feelings come from my thoughts. I can control my feelings by controlling my thoughts. And this is something, church, that works a whole lot better when you're intentional on the front end instead of letting the train of your thoughts gain momentum until it's going so fast that you can't control it anymore. And I've been there. You get in a rut. You get in this place where you're just like, God, I can't get control of my mind. And when you get to that place, man, you need a holy intervention. You need to spend some time on your knees. You need to get with a godly friend. You need to let somebody speak into your life and get, those, get that train on the right track again. Amen? Your thoughts can also be like cars, automobiles. Back in Illinois, I lived on a gravel driveway, long gravel driveway, fourth of a mile. Now, just so you know, it snows a lot in Illinois. And so when it snows and it drifts because everything's flat and the wind is blowing, sometimes you can't get out. And during the wet months, man, there's all these ruts in the gravel and it, it gets all uneven and bumpy. And what creates those ruts? Man, when you're driving through there and, and you're washing it out, ruts. William Barclay says this, it's a law in life that if a man thinks of something often enough and long enough, he will come to the stage when he can't stop thinking about it. Have you ever been there? His thoughts will be quite literally in a groove out of which he cannot jerk them, right? And, and just like you've seen a car make a rut, maybe in your yard when, when you fall off the driveway and you make a big rut that then in the spring you've got to go and fill it back in and and you're and as a dad you're like who keeps driving and making these ruts in my yard your thoughts can make ruts and so what would I say I would say choose your rut wisely choose it wisely one thing that I love to do, it, it's, it's a stress reliever, it's just fun, is I love to run races. And so I've run a few trail races where the whole entire race is off-road and sometimes it's muddy and sometimes it's, um, you know, you're in the grass and all over. And the, the, the craziest thing that I, that I think every time I run a race like that is you'll get to a muddy part and where it's all muddy and sloppy and there's muck and there's mire, there's all kinds of footprints and I'm like, and if you just step over a couple feet and run around it, you can run on dry land. And I, every time I go through there, I'm like, why do people continue to choose to run through the muck when they could just 
take a little detour over here and go on the dry ground. See, you get to drive the car of your thoughts. You get to choose the ruts that you make. You get to choose whether you're going to go through the rut or not. But man, once that rut gets created, it's really easy to slip back in and slip back in. So we got to choose our ruts wisely. In Philippians 4.8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. Then the peace of God will be with you. I love those conditional statements in God's word. I love it because it gives me a plan. I'm like, okay, if I want peace, then I need to make some new ruts for my thinking. It's going to be hard work, but I'm going to make some new ruts, and I'm going to do it on purpose, and I'm, I'm going to make a rut of thinking about things that are true and honorable. I'm going to make a rut by thinking about things that are right and pure and lovely and admirable. You know, I'm going to, what does admirable thinking, admirable thinking look like? I'm going to give or things of good report. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to think the best about other people instead of always thinking the worst. You know, you know what they say about what other people are thinking about you? That 90% of the things that you think other people are thinking about you, they're not thinking. Why? Because most of us are just thinking about ourselves. And yet we make these ruts and we think, oh, why did they look at me that way? Or what, oh, why did they talk to me like that? Chances are it was just the bad pizza or they didn't get their coffee that morning. You know, they weren't even thinking about you. And so we're thinking about things that are excellent and worthy of praise instead of always thinking about all this junk. You know, I really think that a lot of this stuff traces back to what are called the seven deadly sins. Pride and lust and laziness and hate and gluttony and envy and greed. And so maybe when I have a prideful thought, I create a new rut that is just humble. You know what? I'm going to be humble. When I have a lustful thought, I create a new rut and I think about something that's pure. When I have a lazy thought, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to be disciplined and I do something that is disciplined. When I have a hateful thought, I think of something loving and I do something loving for somebody else. When I have a gluttonous thought, I, 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 I think about being content and I just choose contentment over want. When I think of an envious thought, I think, man, you know what? I'm just going to go be kind to that person that I'm envious of. When I have a, 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 a thought of greed, you know, I, then I, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be generous and give something away. But we have to do it on, on purpose. And here's God's promise. The more you engage in good thinking like that, peace will come into your life. And I really believe that that's the kind of train you want to create that because the more good thinking you engage in, the more good thoughts are going to come to you. Amen? Number three this morning, Learning. How do I love God with all my mind? I got to be a person that loves to learn. Now, you might think, man, Joe, I don't like to read. And, and uh, uh, my pastor from Illinois, he posted a really cool image on a, a leader's page that we're on together the other day. And it said uh, something like, uh, f- you know, f- over 50% of people that graduate from college will never read a book again in their whole entire life. 
And it gave all kinds of stats like that, that, man, we as Americans are not people that love to learn. We're, we're people that love to consume things that are typically easy, right? But learning is the fuel for my mind. It's the fuel for my mind. And so if I'm going to love Jesus with all of my mind, I can never stop learning. I can never stop learning. Why? It's a matter of stewardship. Jesus gave you a brain. He gave you a life, and you've got to use it well. Listen, we all take in fuel, right? We all take in fuel in our life. This morning, I put some fuel in my body. I had a couple eggs and some sausage gravy, and it was glorious. So early in the morning before anybody got up, I'm sitting there and I'm reading my Bible and I'm eating some good home cooking, right? And not only that, I learned a new way to make it. We were out of flour and so I Googled it up. I'm like, can I make gravy with Bisquick? And guess what? You can. See, I learned something new this week and it enriched my life. And actually that gravy was some of the best I've ever made. See, we learn trivial, dumb little things like that all the time, and we, we share it on Pinterest. Or we share it on Facebook. Man, check out this new little life hack that I, that I figured out. But how much of the stuff that you're learning in your life is intentionally helping you be a better vessel for God to use? We're all taking in fuel. There's no exceptions. You take in some kind of fuel. The key is determining what is good fuel. Any of you remember back in the day when um, there was regular and unleaded fuel, both at the tank, and God forbid you put the wrong one in the car, right? It's right there. I mean, it's like easy to make the mistake. You know, I've met a lot of guys over the years that are are 100% ethanol-free for their yard equipment, why? Because that ethanol, you put that, that junk in your chainsaw and after a while you pull it out after a long winter and you try to start that thing and it's so gummed up that you can't get it started. Why? Because you put the wrong fuel in. And there's all kinds of things like this in life that, that man, the fuel really, really matters. And so when is the last time that you, you made a fuel audit in your life? What am I really putting in? Am I taking any time to personally grow and to add things to my life that, that are going to make me more useful in God's hands? In 1 Corinthians 8.2, it says, anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't know very much. Right? I love that because it's a challenge to my heart. It's a challenge to my mind. Man, I can't assume I know enough yet. You'll never be hungry to learn if you're full of pride. I, I did a, an illustration for my youth group a long time ago, and we were talking about just being hungry for Jesus and hungry for the right things because sometimes, let's just be honest, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading the right things. You don't feel like reading God's word. And so <clears throat> uh, before youth group, I ran to McDonald's and I grabbed a whole bag of like 10 uh, cheeseburgers right? And I had one of the youth kids come up in this classic youth group game where you come up and you have them eat as much as they can possibly eat. And so this kid kid came up and I'm like, man, eat as many of these cheeseburgers as you can. So he's down in these cheeseburgers like nobody's business and everybody's cheering for him. And I'm talking about, you know, being hungry for God. And, and man, I'm like, man, look at this 
appetite that he has, and he's just wolfing down all this, this junk food, these cheeseburgers from McDonald's. And then when he couldn't eat anymore, we had this chef that was a, a youth leader, and our, our, I mean five-star chef, and I had asked her to prepare the most amazing steak dinner that you've ever seen in your life and to bring it out on a silver platter. And so down she walks down that aisle with this amazing steak, juicy grill marks. I mean, everybody's mouth in the whole entire room starts watering except guess who? The dude that had just picked out on cheeseburgers. Right, right, because he had already filled his gut with junk He was no longer hungry for the good stuff. And how many of us do that? We fill our hearts and minds with the Netflix, with the Facebook, with all the stuff, with the novels. You pick it. Maybe it may be your thing that you're filling your heart with is just, man, you're on the phone all the time or you're texting all the time. Meaningless stuff. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but you, you're, you're like a GIF or GIF, like master. And you're just, you're a pro at just all this stuff that is like, man, does it really matter? And all that stuff is fun and we get laughs and whatever. But do a learning audit in your life. When is, when's the last time you put fuel in the tank that really mattered? Because We all put fuel in the tank. The question is, are you hungry for the right things? Are you hungry for the right things? Because you'll never be hungry for Jesus. You'll never be hungry for the right things if you're full of yourself. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, God is not an object of knowledge as much as he is a cause of wonder. And so it's not just about learning. It's about this limitless God that we get to serve. And, I, and there's, there, will never, will, there will never come a day where I've learned enough because he's a God of wonder. He's a God of awe. I alluded to this in the beginning, but the average brain is only the size of a softball, weighs approximately three pounds, yet neuro- neurologists estimate that we have the capacity to learn something new every second of every minute of every hour of every day for the next 300 million years. Newsflash, you won't live that long here on this earth. But God gave you a mind that you can continue to learn things about him for all of eternity. Amen? And so use it wisely. Use it wisely, Colossians 2.8. And now, and we're closing with this, and so prepare your hearts. We're going to bring this in for landing and ask God what he wants to do in our hearts. Colossians 2.8, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love that. God, I want to learn. I want my roots to grow down deep into you. God, I don't want it to just be knowledge. God, I want it to overflow into my life. You see, church, there's two types of learning. There's the acquisition of knowledge and there's the application of knowledge. And if all you ever do is learn, all you ever do is put stuff in and you don't do anything with it, then once again, that's going to be meaningless. Jesus wants to be the kind of friend to you, the kind of Lord to you, 
that you don't just know about him, but he gets in your heart and he messes it all up in the best way possible and he wrecks you and he breaks you and he reshapes you into something that you never thought possible where you come out on the other side healed and restored and forgiven and new and you're, you're, like, you're like a brand new vessel for him to use. Think about it. When you go to the doctor and you need a surgeon, do you want the, the one that only went to med school and never did any practice? Right? Or do you want the one who's got some hands-on experience? And this has to be our attitude when it comes to learning, when it comes to thinking, God, I want, I want to transition my thinking and my learning into action. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life. So where are you at today? Where are you at today? Are you letting the things of this world, your sinful nature, you, you, and, and just like we said last week, if you could have fixed yourself, if you could have fixed your heart, if you could have healed your mind, you probably would have done it already. And so maybe you're at the point today where you're like, man, in my beliefs and in my thoughts and in my learning, in my mind, I'm realizing my need for Christ. I'm realizing my need for a savior. I'm realizing my need for transformation. I'm realizing my need for all things to be new in my heart and in my mind. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes, and if that's you today, and you're just crying out to God, God, I need a new mind. I need you to come in and these runaway trains God, these ruts I've gotten myself into, God, I need transformation. And so God, I wanna do my part, but I need you to do yours. If that's you today and you're just just hungry for a new mind, just between you and Jesus, just raise your hand and say, God, I want you to transform my mind because the first step is just acknowledging it. God, I need you to transform my mind. God, I don't wanna go down the, the thought train of pride anymore. And you can put your hands down. I don't want to go down the thought train of, of lust anymore. God, I don't want to go down the thought train of envy or greed or any of that anymore. I need a new mind, Jesus. I need a new mind. If you're here today and you're like, Joe, I want to start with belief. And I just want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. I want to I want to figure out where I'm at so that I can get where I need to go. And I want to believe in Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. You're saying, I want to start a relationship with Jesus for the first time. I want to put my trust in a God that loves me. I want to put my trust in a God that laid his life down for me on the cross. If that's you today, raise your hand. Put your trust in Jesus today. God, we just lay our lives at your feet. We beg you. We are desperate for you. We need you to give us a new mind. And so whatever it takes, God, whatever beliefs that you need to shift around, God, whatever beliefs need to change, 
God, we just humble ourselves, knowing that just believe, just because we personally believe it doesn't make it true. Your word is our foundation. And so we believe in you. God, we believe in what you've said. God, we believe in what you told us. God, we bring our belief under your lordship in Jesus' name. God, if it's our thoughts, if we're just having a battle in our thought life, help us, Jesus. Help us to not let the wrong planes land. God, help us to not let our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts run away on a train and that, we, that can't be stopped. Help us to be intentional in the front end about thinking about things that are true and excellent and praiseworthy. What you think about us instead of what we think about us. Jesus, with our learning, God, help us to be good stewards of the fuel that we're putting in our hearts, the fuel that we're putting in our minds that is leading and guiding our life. Maybe somebody's here today that they need to stop listening to that or stop watching that or stop reading that. And instead, they need to replace it with something life-giving, something that brings you honor, something that brings you glory, something that, that helps them be a better vessel and tool in your hand. Jesus, we just lay our minds at your feet. I see I see the possibility of a church who thinks about things of heaven who sets their sights on eternal things and when we do that it changes everything how we see other people and when, when people walk through these doors and they, they, they feel something tangibly, tangibly different because the body of Christ is setting their sights on things of heaven and not things of this earth. And so I just want to challenge you. What if we all went on this journey and we thought about things of heaven instead of things of earth? And man, it came out in how positive we were. It, can't, it comes out in how good we treat people. It comes out in how good you treat your spouse. It comes out in how good you treat your kids. It comes out in the example that you're setting for a lost and dying world around you. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Let me bless you before we go today. God, I just bless your people. God, I thank you for them. I pray that you just provide for their every need. I pray that you just um, lay their path out before them. God, I pray that you just give them opportunities to follow this word that they've heard this morning, this week, at work, at home, in their lives. God, give them strength, determination, discipline, and your Holy Spirit's power leading them and guiding them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If some of my leaders, some of our, our directors could come up front, and if you need prayer for anything today, come get prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Our ushers are at the doors for your uh, connect cards, or your offering, or whatever you need to give them. Have a great week. You're dismissed. Thanks for being at Mosaic.